Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All righty. How's it going, Mets and overall baseball fans? Thank you guys all so much for chiming in for the latest episode of Believe in Queens. I think it's episode 47. Uh, myself, what do you guys know here on YouTube? That is Joe Serralo, and that is Anthony Recker. We are finally all together. Uh, when was the last time that we did an episode, all three of us? I feel like it's been a hot minute. Probably, probably I think, episode 43. Okay. So then wow, this can't that, be 47. That was me being sarcastic about you saying (laughs) I think it's 47, by the way. I think. But that's okay. I never know. Um, Is this 47? I feel like it's 45 or 46. On the Believe site, it says we already have 46 episodes. I just don't know if that includes the That's probably including interviews that have been cut up and put into their... No, it's not. No? Okay, what the hell do I know? Yeah. (laughs) Nothing, apparently. (laughs) Apparently. Apparently. (laughs) Anyways, uh, we have a fun episode today because, guys, baseball is back. The Mets officially reported spring training, that being pitchers and catchers, uh, that being February 15th here. And then five days from now, the entire squad will finally be working out and practicing together before they get set for their first bulk of games that I I think, again, believe start around February 24th, February 25th range is one of the first spring games of the year happen for the Mets. So in today's episode, we're going to just be deep diving everything that you need to know, giving a complete breakdown and preview of this spring for the Mets, the new guys in town, how they're looking, what should we be looking out for, especially here in spring as, as fans and just spectators overall, where are the latest updates and news and rumors, all that fun stuff and play to get into. But before we do, I of course have to let you all know that today's show is brought to you by bet online, bet online is your number one source for all your sports betting needs. Make sure you head over to betonline.ag using promo code BELIEVE at B-L-E-A-V. That way you get yourself a 50% off welcome bonus. BetOnline, it's where the games begin. Now, folks, let's officially let the show begin. And we also will be getting plenty of comments, hopefully, towards the end of the show for our live viewer questions here on YouTube and the live stream. So appreciate everyone commenting. Make sure to smash that like and subscribe on means a lot. So, guys, baseball's back. And I got to say, it felt really nice today. I know that I'm not at Port St. Lucie at the moment. But just residing in Pennsylvania, it was beautiful, you know, high 60 today. It just smelled like baseball was in the air. So it was really, really nice to see the first day for the Mets. Just all the vibes were immaculate as a fan for me, at least. I hope the same for you guys. But overall, heading into spring, you know, what are what are some things that you guys look forward to? Joe, let's start with you from a fan perspective. And then, Rec, I want to hear it from a player uh, perspective. Yeah, I mean, from a fan perspective of which player I want to see, to me, it's pretty obvious. It's Kodai Senga. Right, because you know what you're going to get with Max Scherzer. You know, as excited as as exciting as it is that he's finally a Met, you still know what you're going to get from Justin Verlander as a player, as a pitcher, as a competitor this season. Kodai Senga is the great unknown, right? This is the guy who, you know, at his floor is probably a number four caliber starter, like a guy with a three eight ish ERA. Uh, at his peak, at his ceiling could be the third ace on this team. So he's the guy, look, you know, spring training doesn't mean a whole lot to me. Uh, Typically, frankly, it bores me. I've been down to spring training once and it was a fun time, fun atmosphere. But, you know, I mean, by the fourth inning, you're watching guys who aren't going to be on the team if they ever make it, you know, for at least a couple of years. (laughs) There we go. Uh, No, right. Come on. I I mean, I'm not talking backup catchers. I'm talking you're watching like a ball guys. Uh, But for me, Kodai Senga, he's the guy to watch just because we've never seen him go up on a consistent basis against big league talent. Um, you know, we've seen glimpses in the World Baseball Classic and whatnot, but I'm just dying to see him get out there, you know, how he interacts with his teammates, how he competes, 
Uh, spring training is going to be really interesting for Kodai Senga, and I just I can't wait to see what happens. And one thing that I was really happy to see was Kodai arrive early. You know, he arrived what felt like, you know, whether it was four or five days, upwards of a week before pitchers and catchers even normally report. So it was great to see him there. As we spoke in our last episode, just you and I, Rec, uh, Kodai is not participating in the World Baseball Classic. And as to get further acclimated in North America and with the Mets, all good signs for him to start his Mets career. But for you, Rec, especially, you know, as a former player, I want to hear it from you breaking down what exactly is spring training like in your opinion, from your side of things, you know, what are the highs, where are the lows? Like overall, just break it down for us. What is it like from a player's perspective, especially a guy in situations where you're trying to crack a roster? Yeah. So, you know, in my situation, especially early on in camps, um, you know, you've got some teams that come in with expectations, guys that come in with expectations. Um, I even heard a a Max Scherzer quote earlier today about, you know, um, if you come into camp, looking to win rather than looking to make um, make money, you know, earn that paycheck, whatever you want to call it, earn that money. Um, you know, everything else will take care of itself. And I actually and have that on my notes. I'm glad you brought that up. I love that quote. So it's, it's funny to me because that's a quote that someone who, you know, never really had to fear not making a roster could say. And that's not to knock what he's saying. He's right. By the time I got to a point where I felt like I was comfortable and I thought I – not comfortable, but I thought I had a good shot at making a team. Then I was more focused on, yeah, let's go out and win. But until that point, I got into camp early. I made sure I was the first one there, last one out. Um, I had all the confidence in the world that, you know, the team could be, you know, good, go on, you know, go on and, and win and, and potentially make the playoffs. But I couldn't really worry about that because I had to worry about, what I needed to do day in and day out to try to make this team, because that's what was most important to me. So I came in with lots of, you know, positive energy. I came in with um, a lot of, you know, just hope and, and just dreams of, you know, being able to make the squad break with the team, yada, yada, yada. Um, And so it was always a good time for me. Like the beginning of spring training was always very, um, I was eager to get in there, to start working, to start working with the guys, um, to see what the clubhouse environment feel was going to be like, um, you know, and just to get to work, just to start down that path. Because once spring training gets going and you're there for two, three weeks, you're ready. Like you you just start locking in, you, you get in your routine and you're ready for the season to start. Um, those last two weeks of spring training, um, you know, you really kind of lock it back in, especially if you're a guy who's a starter and knows they're going to be there and everything. Um, but they can, they can really drag on. Like it just gets to the point. Okay. All right. Let's just go up North and start playing meaningful games because these games don't mean a damn thing. And we're just wasting our time. Um, realistically you're not. And the pitchers are trying to lengthen out and that's what it's for. Um, but that's how, what it can feel like at times as a player. Um, again, though, uh, you know, you go into it, you have all these, uh, different feelings of, for me, like just hoping, praying I can do everything possible to stay healthy and make the roster. Um, and so it's just, it's a fun time. It's, it's a great time to, to get to know your teammates, to be a part of, you know, the, that, like I said, that clubhouse environment. Um, and I can remember, you know, 2013, 2014 was more about, okay, am I going to make this team? What do I need to do? Doing everything I can, yada, yada. 2015, I felt pretty comfortable, you know, that I would make the the team. I shouldn't say that I didn't, um, and then about a couple weeks in, I remember Bob Guerin basically saying, hey, Rick, when we go up north, blah, 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 blah. And I, oh, 
okay, Bob, like, I guess I'm going up north. <laughs> Great. Like, hit, hit. I didn't Love know, it. but I, I appreciate that. At least I can sleep a little better at night. Um, so, you know, like that year, I remember <clears throat> really feeling out the clubhouse and how we were coming together and, and feeling that look like this, you know, it, it felt different. It felt, it felt very different from 13 and 14, whether that was just my experience or the team experience. And the fact that we were going to be a better team, um, you know, uh, make of it what you will, but it was definitely a different time and it was a very exciting time. And then 16, I went to Cleveland and I'm, I'm a part of that, you know, kind of clubhouse. And I could tell that they were going places, you know, when I was in that atmosphere and their spring training. And um, it's funny how you can kind of pick up on things like, like that just in spring training as a player um you know if you're observant and you kind of kind of look around know what's around and, and you get that vibe from your teammates rec what, what was the biggest difference in 2015 because i mean that season it's not like it was you know like like last season like 2022 where start to finish the team was a juggernaut bar a few games in september first half the team was I mean, they started hot as hell in april mm -hmm. and then really came back down to earth you know may june july up until the trade yep. deadline so what felt so different you know in march and maybe led to I mean, God, that was that was my first year working for the Mets, and I remember that opening homestand. Did we lose a game? Did we sweep the entire homestand? It was April was insane in 2015. I want to say I don't remember. I don't remember um, exactly how we started out the year. I know we started out hot, like won like the first five, six games, whatever it was. Yeah, I'm gonna pull um, that. I want to say we might have started out like seven and one. I'm not 100 percent though, um, but yeah, we got off to a great start and. Um, it's just, you know, the, the entirety of spring training, even throughout, even when, you know, we got the Wheeler news and we found out he was going to be out for the entire season, which was a down point during spring training. Um, we just had the right mix of veteran leadership, um, guys who had been around, guys who had won, you know, Curtis Granderson, um, you know, uh, obviously David, of course, um, Michael Kadire had just come over that offseason. Um, Bartolo was was there. Uh, you know, we just had we just had a really good mix and it was kind of an air of confidence that you could feel just around the team. Um, everything we did, every drill we did, everything that, you know, we worked on uh, on the field, even off the field, things just felt easy. They felt like they were they came together quickly. Um, and that just comes from, you know, a, a good vibe, a good team gelling together really quick. And that's when, you know, like, OK, like this could be special. This could be a lot of fun. Um, you know, of course, things happened during that throughout the course of the season, uh, you know, and, and we had uh, a couple injury issues, a couple performance issues that popped up, you know, throughout the course of the season. And we offensively, we struggled. And so our performance struggled, but you know, we went out and got the right pieces and, and made a run ultimately in the end. I, I, I just looked it up by the way. I, I thought you guys swept the homestand. You won 11 straight games after starting oh, two and three to nice. start 13 and three, mm. 10 of those 11 were on your homestand, your opening homestand. So a 10 and 0 opening homestand, 13 yeah. and three start to the year. It was, uh, it was a fun one. It was awesome. I mean, I, I, I can remember, you know, getting out to a hot start and just feeling like, you know, we were kind of invincible, like, okay, yeah, this is going to be a, a really good team. And, and we kind of knew it in spring training, we were expecting it. And so when you have those expectations and you truly believe them, you come out and you play well. And that's that's kind of what happened for us, obviously, early, early in the year. And, and did you know, and I'm sorry, Wardy, I'm going to toss it to you after this, but Rick, yeah. did you know, even before that spring in 2015, like the way you guys, I don't know if you were called, do you remember how you finished 2014 that season? Like yeah. it was a lost season. You guys were eliminated, yeah. but September you guys were hot as hell. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, and how and much and things like that help. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, look, I don't know how much rollover you can necessarily count on. Um, 
because we've seen September's, you know, be kind of aberrations in the past. Um, But, you know, it felt good to go into that offseason, you know, on a really positive note, especially for I know a lot of individuals, guys like Lucas Duda had a huge year. Um, I think that was 30 home run season and, you know, uh, several other guys, Murph and what's that? Duda had three in a game and no one remembers it because Wilmer was crying. (laughs) Well, that was 15. That was 15. Yeah. Um, But, you know, look, it was it was just a really, really fun end of the season. Um, Having a guy like Curtis Granderson around, like, you know, obviously really helped because, um, you know, you go throughout uh, the course of a season where things don't go your way. But towards the end of the year, he stays on a level playing field and and everybody just kind of follows his lead. And then we end up, you know, playing well towards the end of the year. So, no, that felt really good. Um, you know, and I can remember on a personal level, like I finished the 14 really, really strong. And a lot of guys did. And when you finish a year individually, like on a strong note, you just go into the off season with a different energy. It's like, yeah, let's, I'm, I'm excited to keep doing what I'm doing, hit the gym, get into the cage and just get back to work, get back into the season because things were going so well. So it, it definitely has some carryover effect, um, you know, for some guys. All right, Wardy, I'll shut up and let you get back in. No, no, this is great. Again, heading into the episode, I said, again, I wanted Rec to explain, share everything, you know, right off the riff regarding Spring, just, you know, his personal experiences. So that was awesome. And, you know, when I, Rec, going back to you, you you know, you talked about a team that was really determined. And that reminds me a lot on how you see the Mets heading into Spring right now, especially with the new guys that they have brought into town. Because while this Mets team, on paper is a little bit different. You know, they aren't too drastic. No one saw that, Rick. Nope. I didn't see it, so you're fine. You're fine. Um, But you see this Mets team heading in right now. We're already seeing the interviews from Alonzo, Scherzer, Verlander. They all just are locked in right away, and you could tell that they have the mindset, okay, it's really much championship or bust this year. And it doesn't seem like that they're, you know, lollygagging, doing anything silly to start the uh, sprain, which is great. But with the new guys on the block, especially in Verlander and Scherzer, it's interesting because what was rumbling, and I actually heard this before the Mets even acquired Verlander, is that, you know, they didn't necessarily have the best relationship between the two during their days in Detroit, that being Verlander and Scherzer. However, that seems like that is put to bed. And then some, you know, as they've aged over time, Scherzer said, you know, Yes, I pitched alongside him for five years, but we've been separated for eight years. And he's like, I'm really excited to pick his brain and share our notes to see how much has changed in his way and philosophy of the game, you know, because Verlander is so in tune with the newfound analytics and the numbers. That's why he thrives so well, especially in Houston. So not only the type of connection that we're going to see Scherzer and uh, Verlander rekindle to a higher point, then you have the other guys that are sleepers. That's easy to forget about. Jose Quintana, especially, is a guy that's looking to really not only look strong here in spring, but to get the season rolling, along with Kodai Sango, who we first uh, mentioned, thanks to you, Joe. So very excited to see all these guys. It feels very weird seeing Verlander in a Mets uniform. It felt very weird seeing DeGrom walk uh, for the Texas Rangers today, looking like he was going to get sued up for sprain. And then an hour after the Texas Rangers initially reported that he was there, he was shut down because he has some side tightness for a couple days. I'm going to leave that, that. Texas. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to leave that at that. So I know Mets fans had a field day. I'm not going to be that type of guy. I don't, I never want to see Jake hurt. It just, again, Talk about feeling weird, not only Verlander with the Mets in a uniform, it also felt weird seeing, seeing DeGrom already have a delay to start the year and me not supposed, not supposed to care about it. Like the amount of days I've spent on and on concerned about Jacob DeGrom for reasons like this 
to now not. It, it's it's quite the adjustment. It is a new age Mets in that way, if you will. Uh, but when we look at not only new age with the team right now, you also have to look at the new rules. And I, as you met, as you said in the chat before we started going live, Joe, the bases in which Jose Altuve was on, I joked and I said that that was me, which was pretty funny. But you see the bases and Buck made note of them, just how different they look. And that's just one of many different rule changes that are going to have an impact that we're going to see on full display this spring for this Mets team. I mean, did you guys see them side by side? how ridiculously large they look. I mean, the whole purpose is to help avoid injuries and things of that nature. It's going to also help with guys stealing bags for a second. But what, what's your what's your reaction well, to Ward, this? You might have seen the fake picture that was circulating if you think that they look ridiculously large because there was a real no. picture and a fake picture. And the real picture, they, they don't look that different. The fake picture, they look ridiculous. No, no, no. I'm talking about the real picture. No, I'm talking about the real one. They they okay. are Yeah, I mean it's it's yeah. not it's not that big a difference. It's you know, I think it's better. I don't know what you think, Rec, um, especially as a catcher, because of the you know, the ways that um it'll alter, you know, base stealing and that part of the game. Um, but I think in terms of safety, I don't think it's a ridiculous uh change. And, and I, I think it's actually a great change. You know, Manfred doesn't get a lot right in my opinion, but I think this one, you know, when it comes to collisions at first base and just player safety, I, I'm all for this. To me, the if this this what other base or what other you know other than first base, what other base did you really need to make the base bigger for? Right. True. I don't really get that. So to me, I think the one thing that they could have done instead of just making all the bases bigger, not just make first base bigger, but just find a way to make it so that um, you know, the runner maybe I, I know like there's in softball, there's like in the some softball base. leagues. There's another base, you know, outside of the the field of play, and there's like right. a second base kind of right. That would have been like I, I feel like that just would have been a simpler solution rather than like changing the game completely with bigger bases and basically making it, um, you know, shorter distance between bases and uh, you know greater distance to try to make a tag, which actually could lead to some injuries. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, I'm I'm interested. I'm I'm excited about actually some of these rule changes. Some of them I'm not, you know, so excited about. Uh, as, as to your point about the bases, we in Studio 42 um, did a couple of shows the last couple of nights and we went in there and they actually have the bigger bases in there. I barely even noticed it, to be honest. With you. If they weren't like bright white and brand new, I wouldn't have even realized that they were the bigger bases. Um, so it's really not that big of a difference, I guess, from a visual standpoint, you know, like up front, up, up close and personal. But uh, it will make a difference. It really will. You know, those inches lead up to a lot. And that you see a lot of bang, bang plays at second base, especially particularly on steals, because the only way you're getting some of these guys out, uh, it's going to be a close play is if it's bang, bang. And that may not be the case as much anymore. So it's going to be really tough. I don't know. Um, a lot of these pitchers are going to have to get a lot quicker to home plate. Um, I'm looking at you, Noah Syndergaard. Uh, you're not. <laughs> My goodness. One, seven, five to the plate. Ain't going to cut yeah, it. Guy. No chance. So. Not when every inch matters, which it always does. No. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Every inch matters. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Um, and stay, stay on topic, okay. staying, up, staying on topic of this, you know, with runners on first going to second, that's another rule change, right? Pitchers are, are only allowed to toss to first base. I believe two times correct me if i'm wrong it's very limited for what uh pitchers can do now you can only disengage from the rubber twice yeah that's before. crazy a third time you can disengage but you have to get an out if you do not get an out it's a bulk the runner advances a gosh base. yeah that's that's so. going to be a game changer i think a lot um not so only even that. just stepping off the rubber like if i'm looking in you know if i'm the pitcher and i'm looking into home plate trying to get the sign 
I'm having a tough time. The clock's winding down and I just want to reset the clock and I step off. That's one disengagement. Like it doesn't even have to be a pick. And I think that's what people don't even understand. Um, and there's going to be some issues with that because there are times where there's communication issues between the pitcher and the catcher, Lab the pitcher and infielders, like everything. Yeah. And it's, so it's like, what if I disengage and it has nothing to do with the clock or with, you know, me yep. trying to pick a runner off or, and so that can, I don't know. I'm interested to see, see the way it plays out. The, yeah, the pitch that, clock, in my opinion, I get the advantages, but it's going to create some bad um, problems in big moments of games. Yes. And then when you tack on the fact that you can only disengage twice before a third time, which in which case you have to, you know, that's going to be, I don't know. That's brutal, man. Because if I'm a if I'm a runner and I know I got a pitcher, a lefty out there who likes to read, who likes to bring the leg up, front leg up, and you know, come over to first based off my movement, I'm gonna fake like I'm going and see if I can get him to try to pick a, at least once or twice. Right. And then I'm I'm taking off first move because I've already done it to you twice. If I get you to do it again and I get back safe, I know I got the bag. You're not gonna pick off again. I'm gone. And so I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see the way it plays out. So, you know, it, it is interesting because I actually like the pitch clock itself, but Me the too. disengagement rule is kind of ridiculous, especially because we saw last year how many issues there were with PitchCom. Now, whether or not the league cleans up some of them, I don't think it's going to be a flawless system this year. And, and, you know, when you take into account the pitch clock running down and sometimes a pitcher's got to run through the signs again, whether, you know, whether or not they're just not on the same page as the catcher, whether they're given actual signs or whether they got the pitch common, if it's a loud stadium, they can't hear it. And you know, when, when there's that miscommunication, you have to step off. So now you're running with you're you're working with a 30 second pitch clock, right? It's 30 seconds. 15 seconds with nobody on base, 20 with somebody on base. Okay, so a 20 second, because I'm thinking if someone's on base. So a 20 second pitch clock, the potential for miscommunication. I mean, I just I feel like that combination, I think we're gonna see it as early as April. Um, it's gonna lead to some problems. I think pitchers are gonna be pretty pissed off. I, I think it's going to be very sloppy in spring, right? Everyone's going to be trying to get adjusted and acclimated to try these things out. But heading into April too, like the whole point of a lot of these things is to make the game shorter, right? But if this is a situation where a lot of the things are just becoming confusing for the pitchers or for the batter, that ultimately is going to hold up time too. So Rex, to your point, I am very interested to see how pretty much everything here is going to be implemented. And something that I know that Max Scherzer is excited about is the pitch clock and that batters are only going to have a chance to call for time once per at bat. That's something that's going to benefit a guy like Scherzer who likes to work fast. Every I day do think week. this benefits pitchers more than hitters. And I've, I've yeah. heard people say it the other way around. And I, I, I don't understand it because as a hitter, I needed to take a step out kind of regather my thoughts, process what just happened, what I, what I should be looking for next and how I'm going to go about the rest of this AB because with the amount of information you're given nowadays, it's I, I don't know how guys do it any other way unless you're just naturally superiorly gifted in the game of baseball, which there aren't mer- very many of those within the game. The only, the only way I think it won't benefit pitchers are guys, honestly, like Chris Bassett. Because when the initial rule changes were, um, you know, said to be implemented, when I think about Bassett and his game, for example, he, you know, he just works that slow pace a lot of the times. He can't be te- head shaking to uh, uh, whether it's going to be Jansen or Kirk, you know, 10 times uh, per at bat. It isn't going to work like that. And he- Steve Traxel-esque for some of the older Met fans in the group who remember yeah. Trax from the uh, early 2000s. 45 seconds in between pitches minimum. Yeah. 
Oh it's my crazy. God. Steve would, he would visualize every pitch before he threw it. I mean, look, mm-hmm. it's one thing pregame. I'm sure. Did, did you do some visualization and some stuff like that of situations? Yeah. yeah. They taught it to us in Oakland in the minor leagues. It was part of everything we did. Yeah. Right. And, and like, you know, I'd be there like taking my pregame shower in the morning thinking about like, all right, this situation, I'm going to throw this pitch. If I get this situation, that's, but on the mound, visualizing no. every pitch. I... Too much. It was a lot. Was I would have had brain fatigue. Like that would not have. And there were some seasons Traxel had where it was like, I don't know what you were visualizing, but obviously it didn't materialize much. <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, I also wanted to mention to you guys, because what previous episodes when we've highlighted for spring, especially third base, I emphasize how Brett Beatty is going to get a lot of playing time there with Escobar at the Royal Baseball Classic and Mark Vientos. I do just want to mention that Mark Vientos is not going to the Royal Baseball Classic. The initial belief is that he was going to be representing Nicaragua. That is not the case anymore. So, um, uh, pardon me, Eric Chavez has been spending extensive time so far early spring already with the likes of Escobar as the veteran, but then Vientos and Beatty, because now he can, especially because he's not in the heading coach role and the bench coach role now behind Buck to really help them out with their defensive work there at third. But yeah, what an asset that guy's going to be, man. I very. mean, he's a, a multi, he was a great third baseman before he started having some back problems and some issues health related. He was, I mean, Sounds probably cool. the best in the game at the time, multi time gold glover. I mean, he was fantastic. So to have this guy just both as, you know, because he's going to be the bench coach now, he can be, uh, you know, someone that you go to for hitting advice someone that you go to for fielding advice, someone that gets used in any, you know, facet within the game. And it's going to be a great asset for, for those young guys who can prick, pick a brain like his. I mean, that's, that's so awesome. He's the kind of guy it's like, enjoy it now. Enjoy him while you have him now, because he's going to be a manager yes. very, very soon. So enjoy One, the two fact years that tops. you've got a hitting coach, gold glove fielding caliber coach, you know, and, and, a, and an assistant manager, essentially is what the bench coach is mm-hmm. all in one. Just, uh, you know, I really hope this Mets team, you know, whether it's the coaching staff, obviously, or the roster itself, and I guess it comes with being the oldest or one of the oldest teams in baseball, a lot of great minds to pick on this team. So when you look at spring training, like how much time, you know, when when you were younger in your Oakland uh, years, how much time would you spend? Were were you the kind of guy who was like, oh, I don't know if I should go up to, to that guy. I don't know if I should bother him. Or would you be picking the brains of Verlander, of Scherzer? of you know of Chavez like what, what would your approach be as a young guy in spring I wish I I asked more questions um I was definitely the person who was very intimidated didn't know if I should be doing that didn't want to get you know I didn't want to be causing issues in the clubhouse this is the last thing I wanted to do like going up and bothering people and then be like get this douchebag out of here like <laughs> I didn't I, I couldn't I couldn't even take that shot like I was I was a nobody so I didn't want to be that guy um, that said, like I learned so much throughout the course of my career and that asking questions is never a bad thing. It's never a bad thing to go up and just pick anyone's brain. I mean, if, if they want to tell you to go F off, that's fine. Like, don't worry about it. Just go ask the next guy. Like who cares? Um, cause that's really the only way you learn. Um, I learned that I, I can't say I learned it any more than Manny Ramirez watching me in the cage and then asking me questions about what my approach was and what I was thinking or how I was doing something not to try to teach me something literally because he was trying to learn from me. And I was like, dude, no. <laughs> when, when, when was this? 2012 with the A's. He was in, 
It was it, it was, was after his suspension. He came back, um, and I don't think he ever actually played for the A's that year. He was in camp with us, served his suspension, and then I was in the minor leagues after, like later in the year. I started the year in the big leagues. I, started, I was in the minor leagues later in the year when he came, and they had like a 10-game grace period. He could work his way back into shape to get ready to play. He played the 10 games. I don't think they called him up, and then I think he asked for his release, if I remember correctly. Um, but, yeah, yeah, was I got to – to spring, I got to go through an entire spring with him, and then and then ten games, uh, you know, on our minor league slate, and um, I mean, great guy, you know, like he was. I, I got to learn from him. I got to talk with him. We went out to lunch, you know, a couple of times. Well, I shouldn't say lunch. He took me to Whole Foods so we could get a couple of things uh, before the game in minor leagues, and it was great. But um, asked him questions, and and he was awesome. You know, he was one of the best hitters in baseball in the early 2000s. And Ever. did so much, obviously, with Boston winning multiple World Series rings. I think the craziest, like, feat, or, or when I think of Manny Ramirez, the first thing I think of is that he went to the Dodgers for two months and almost won the NL MVP award and batted yep. 400 in two yep. months. I mean, he was a there, – there was just, like, no pure hitter. I mean, he was right up there with anyone in terms of just being a hitter. I mean, he took hitter. some stuff, and, you know, it's just – but he was a couple a great injections hitter. up the not up the ass, excuse me, in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, potato, potato. It's the same thing. I thought, right? <laughs> a little different there. Oh man, <laughs> one sounds a little more painful than the other. <laughs> I, I think they both sound painful to be honest with you, but you know, whatever. It's <laughs> <laughs> depends what's being injected where. <laughs> okay, getting getting a little bit back on track here. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> I was thinking it. You said it. You said it. Uh, I almost said it before when Wardy was like, let's talk about third base. And I was going to be like, hey, happy Valentine's Day. Oh, it's it's funny you say <laughs> You that. got the third base last night. Happy Valentine's Day. It's, it's funny. I didn't. Who it's, said that? Listen, listen, listen for a second. You know those stupid, you know, like little Valentine's cards that everyone was posting yep. yesterday. Yep. Well, I made, I, I made, I made a very cringy one that my girlfriend came up with, and it, and it was like instead of what are I put Ward or R, um, what are the chances that I can get to third base? That was my little thing that I posted yesterday. So yeah, staying on par with that one, but cringy, get, cringy. That was the point. Um, you guys, real quick, how was everyone's point. Valentine's? Day? No. They should have had a picture of you standing on third base, like Altuve. Altuve. Yeah, that would have been funnier, but it was it was in the moment. She just said, "Do a stupid pose," and I did it. So oh, that's amazing. The more you know, but my Valentine's Day was great. Um, that's also your anniversary, mom. right, Wardy? It was my seven year anniversary of my girlfriend. It's also my mother's birthday. Today's my father's birthday. So it's just we don't even celebrate Valentine's Day. It's hectic as all hell that's this awesome. time of year. It's awesome. It's just Two a lot. Birthdays and anniversary Wait, and Valentine's Doesn't this Day? lead to your question, Joe? This leads to your question, right? Let, 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 let's get into it. Let, let's get, get into it the out of the way. Now. We have a little bit more baseball talk we got to do, but let's do this question right now because it's yeah. Let's it's do a two-minute drill on this question. Okay. Is Valentine's Day? And feel free, please, everyone in the comments, chime in. I want to know, especially ladies in the comments, is Valentine's Day just a day for the man? to do something for his female partner. This is in heterosexual relationships. Obviously rules vary in other relationships. But when a guy's dating a girl or married to a woman, is Valentine's Day just a one-way gift day? Or should that go both ways and be reciprocated? Can I go first? Yeah. All right. Um, my girlfriend actually just brought this up earlier. And she like is the type where she feels 
it can be both ways. Like, for example, she bought her, um, you know, just for being sweet, she bought her mom flowers for Valentine's Day, but she also wanted to get her dad something. So that, for me... I'm just talking I mean, partners, though. I'm talking, like, you oh, and her. Okay. Yeah, for partners, I mean... I think it's fine either way. Like, I don't think there needs to be a massive debate. Like, I don't expect anything. If I get anything, it'll just be like some chocolate or whatever. And that's cool. But I've always been like the type where it's like, all right, the guy, like he expects to kind of go all out for the girl. Like, that's how it's been for me. on kind of how I've been brought up. But I'm not opposed at all to an equal relationship. I think that's how all things should be. Both ways. And I'm not even going to (laughs) hesitate. It's both ways. That's the way it is. Like, there was there were spring trainings, and I, I I can remember this where I came home from the field, and there was like a home cooked meal, like you know everything. I mean, she had it all laid out, like ready to go. Boom, babe, you're home. So happy to have you back. Like, and this was literally like early in spring. Might not even started spring. Like, I would just go to the field and then come back. But she would have it all laid out for me, and of course, I would you know always have you know something for her and, and try to do something for her as well. So to me, I just I just if you want to have like a good relationship why would why would every one of these like you know you're celebrating love that's valentine's day supposedly it's it's a, a silly holiday to begin with but stupid um, holiday the worst but it's ridiculous. yes but it should absolutely go but that's that's like just that's how it works like that's how relationships work it should never under any circumstances be a one-way street in any part of it that's just okay wreck thank you I actually don't even think I feel as adamantly about this as you do. I'm very easy to please. And I've got to say, I've got the same rule, whether it's Valentine's Day, whether it's Christmas, whether it's my birthday, even. I don't need a gift. If I want something, if I want something material, I'm going to go get it myself. I'm a big card guy. Hmm. And that's the only thing I need, whether it's my birthday, whether it's Valentine's Day, whether it's Father's Day, in case I have any outstanding children. I just want a card. I, that's all wow. I want. like I'll I'll get okay. you the flowers I'll take you out to the dinner do you need the do you need the, like the handwritten note in the card oh a hundred percent okay a hundred percent give me because I nice... can just send you a card that says Anthony on the bottom and like you know <laughs> hey there it is like well you're a sweetheart right? that make but you no, happy no no no, no. I, I want the F, like I just I want the thought I don't, I don't want don't spend any money get the 299 card from the you know 50 percent off card store and just what if I cut it out from construction paper and draw make it off? even better? Make it yourself. Make it yourself. Even better if it's homemade. But just I want to see the appreciation. I want to see the thought. I don't. I don't care about dollar signs. I don't need anything. Just just write how much you appreciate me and how much you love me. See, you you and I are completely opposite with that because I do not. Or he's like, give me a freaking thing full of cash, yeah. and I don't care what you. Call I me. do not give a rat's ass about cards for the sole purpose of what am I going to do with it. I'm not the type that's going to go back and, you know, years down and I'm like, oh, this is so sweet. Like, no, if you're going to do anything, I think what would be more meaningful, this is what I've done plenty, is actually write a little letter. Because I feel like people don't write things too often. Like, I do it once in a blue moon as is. Is not the same thing? But but I feel, I think the sentiment is just more there than, especially if you get a pre-printed card. I get it if you make your own, but... For me, I, I don't care. I've never no, been Marty, a guy. It's not about the card. Right. It's about what's written inside. So I it's get the same that. Thing but how, how much room are you? How, how much are you, are you going to fill up a whole? Oh, thing I can write the fuck out of a card. You okay, should, if you're going to see the card that I wrote yesterday. All right, all right. All right. Let me clarify. If you're going to like write up the whole thing, 
then that's like the equivalent to doing a little letter. So that oh, the card that, that I wrote yesterday, it looked like when you would get a cheat sheet on a high school exam, okay, and you would like fair play. every little thing on the index card. That's the card I wrote yesterday. I, I write a hell of a all right, card. All right, fair play. All right. My unemployed ass should go right over to Hallmark and get a job. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could be like um, uh, Deeds. You Ms. could actually make Mr. The card. Deeds. Number, Mr. Deeds. <laughs> That's a great yeah. movie. That you is a great movie. Oh my God. Well, speaking of Mr. Deeds on Valentine's Day, anyone in the chat have a foot fetish? <laughs> Joe, Joe. The butler. The butler. Joe, you've gone off the rails a little bit. I'm just going to let you know. <laughs> All right, this is a baseball. He's the best podcast. character in that movie, by the way. The butler and Mr. Deeds is the hundred percent best character. Yep, true. Sorry, he just got. Or you've never seen it? Have you? Thought, I I don't recall it. I apologize. Okay. I, I I I've heard that movie title though, Mr. Deeds. I just if I've seen it, it was way too long ago. Um, okay, Let, let's final segment regarding baseball before we get out of here. There, we have some questions in the chat. So if people want to ask away, go now. But this is a very good question. And this comes from Jacob Pickney in the live show. Also, shout out everyone watching live on YouTube or wherever you get your audio podcast. Make sure to rate, review, listen. I know that's probably difficult right now, especially with the type of podcast that this one has been for Valentine's Day. Um, NSFW over here. But uh, Pete Alonzo, Adam Adovino, Edwin Diaz, Jose Quintana, uh, Omar Narvaez, Eliza Hernandez, Eduardo Escobar, Francisco Lindor, Brooks Raley, Jeff McNeil. Those are all the current active Mets players that will be involved in the World Baseball Classic. So the question here from Jacob is, what are we more excited for this spring, right? Are we going to be paying more attention to the young stars, the young guns at spring training? Or are we going to watch our major league superstars in the World Baseball Classic? Now, for me, I'm going to do my best balance of both, especially as a Mets content creator. I'm going to be covering the Mets as much as I can. It's going to be hard to try to cover the World Baseball Classic because you have, again, it's not like, you know, every Met that's representing is just for Team USA where I can just zone in on their games or something. They're all over the place here. But I'm really excited. And one thing that I need to make sure I do is pay a good amount of attention to the World Baseball Classic because that's something that I didn't do nearly enough last time around. And that's something that I want to make sure is different this time. Rick, what about you? WBC. Um, that's just, I mean, the level of, of play, uh, what it's for, and the fact that there are so many superstars, superstars who have decided that this is more important to them. I shouldn't say more important because they're still preparing for their season. But taking part of this is very important to them, and they're making it a priority to participate. To me, like that says all that needs to be said. Why? Why? I, that's where my focus is going to be. Um, I know these spring training games mean nothing. I know that sometimes your performance in these spring training games means nothing. So it's hard for me to really take it much more seriously beyond that. Um, I, you know, I look. I look forward to seeing. How Beatty, how Alvarez, how Mauricio, how a lot of these guys look. I'm all about the WBC right now. I'm with you. I'm with you. And also, real quick, shout out to uh, Vinny Pasquantino, Royals first baseman. Mm -hmm. He's going to be playing for Team Italy. Yes. I know last week I was down at Radio Road covering the Super Bowl. Uh, Vinny was there. Ended up having a great conversation with him, hanging out with him for a bit. And he's going to be playing for Mike Piazza, who's managing Team Italy. So, uh, I mean, How sorry, good you know. was Vinny Pasquantino last year, by the way? I don't know he's if you guys stuck. got to he's, see him. He's much. like one of the most underrated players in the league right now. He's got a lot well, of. Very I mean, good. He, he's it, he's young. He didn't even get a full season in, but 
his like hard hit rates and his yes his and and the, doesn't strike out walks a ton like I think he was one of like three or four guys in the league to walk more than he came first yeah. year first baseman like that's what and he's got he's got the ability this guy has the potential to hit 40 plus homers like that's the kind of right. pop he's got if he can do that wow I mean he's gonna be something special yeah he's got I, I think he's gonna this year put out 25 to 30 minimum I would I, I, I would say 30 is is a good like I mean it, it's top of the you know like what I would guess for him but that's still like I would say that's a good anticipating guess like of what he could do pretty realistic and, and he's a great I'm guy sure. and uh let, let's go team Italy that's who I'm rooting for make some noise Boom. Let's go team Italy. Yeah, it would have been awesome if Nimmo was playing, but I like the fact that I'm Nimmo okay just got – Yeah, I'm okay with that. Exactly. Nimmo needs to stay healthy. I love um, the WBC when it's other people's players, you know? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good way to point. It's funny. Jonas Cespedes is going to be in the WBC. We'll see if he can last more than just a lap around for a space, so that's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, but, you know, overall, I'm really excited to see how these guys are going to do. And one final tidbit to get in here before we really wrap things up is – We've talked over the past month or so about the Mets do land a lefty reliever. Who could it be? Uh, Andrew Chafin, a recent, uh, did sign back with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Breck, of course, you have that familiarity when you both were in the organization together back in the day. And Zach Britton, who is still available out there, did work out for teams today. And one of the few teams that were in attendance to view him and check out his bullpen were the New York Mets. So while I don't believe the Mets are going to be a favorite to land Zach Britton as of now, they're still currently in that mix. Another great name out there. Um, that I've seen some people talk about is Matt Moore, 100%. I don't know why Moore hasn't signed somewhere yet. Uh, honestly, it looks like he'd be a massive sleeper pickup, a guy with a sub-two ERA last year and 75 innings pitched uh, in a, you know, a whatever type of role he was in there as a reliever. In his first year as a reliever, truly, for the Texas Rangers, that's another name to keep an eye on. We know that the Mets have a emphasis of wanting relievers have options uh, which makes sense they're building as much depth as possible and i really like their depth heading into camp here for spring train that's going to be the biggest thing to follow in my opinion aside from Beatty. i don't know if you guys agree or disagree but there's so many exciting you know high upside arms are now going to be entering spring for the mets as either roster invites or non-roster invites especially so we're going to see how they battle it out there's going to be some familiar faces from last year like one of them that stands out to me is eric orzi i liked how he looked in, looked in spring a little bit last year um didn't have the best year this past year in the myers he's looking to bounce back a bit among so many others Brent Hartwig, hartwig is another name to keep an eye on and then you have the yaka bonuses of the world just the guys that the Mets picked up on off waivers, Stephen Ridings, et cetera. So that's going to be a fun battle to watch. Um, I will be in attendance for spring training, uh, planning to be there around March 10th to probably around March 14th. We'll also be trying to hit a World Baseball Classic game in Miami and doing so. Really just trying to eye a game in which uh, DR is playing. I want to see DR versus uh, Puerto Rico, but those tickets are like, beyond through the roof so i don't know if i'm gonna go to that game but rest assured i will be uh attending met spring training hopefully a wbc game to cover it for you guys um live there in florida when we get to that time but uh any closing remarks guys baseball is back feeling very good and once the mets get that first spring training game in yet even though i know it's not going to mean anything it's going to mean a lot to me as someone who just loves his mets baseball yeah i can't wait to watch that first spring training game and then not watch another game until opening day. <laughs> but I do every, I watch the first, I'm like, oh, baseball's back. It's beautiful. It's sunny in Port St. Lucie. And then I don't watch it again until opening day. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I'm looking forward to just seeing baseball on TV again, getting to cover baseball live again. That's what I love to do. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Oh, also YouTube TV. Figure it out. Let's get MLB Network back on. I want to see. Yeah, I know you're dying on my TV again. Yeah, you're you're not having a good time right now, are you, Joe? Yeah. Well, I mean, luckily there's not really much to watch for me right now on MLB Network 24/7. You know, everything up until the past couple days has been football. Uh, But now that football's over, YouTube TV. Let's uh, let's get it together. I know our buddy. And now that football is going to be on YouTube TV every game next year. Right. Pick it up, YouTube. Let's go. Let's 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 get baseball back in the in the in the portfolio here. Who's more at fault here? Because there was a deadline, right? So Rick works for MLB TV. What do you think he's going to say, Tyler? No, no, I know. I'm not asking for his opinion. I just don't know. Like YouTube TV. I think I think YouTube TV is more at fault. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. YouTube, you're watching. Figure it out. All right, guys. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that's going to do it. Thank you all so much for chiming in, watching, listening, rate, reviewing. Make sure to smash that like and subscribe on again. Stay tuned. We'll be back next week, more than likely, with a special guest. So stay tuned for that one. But until then, have a great one, folks. As always, let's go Mets. Talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.